Shut up and sit down. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday night. Uh, I think it it should be a new trend that people tune in just to find out what day of the week it is, uh, because apparently that's the only way I introduce the shows now. It's Tuesday night or Thursday night. I'll have to get Will or Braxton to start saying it's Wednesday night, and then I'll just have to like go live just on Monday nights for like five minutes just to say it's Monday night. But anyways, it is Thursday night. It's not a real libertarian night, and we've got not a real libertarian on for you tonight. But uh, we've uh, we got to do some things. We've got to do the thing you come for the most. Not really. Everyone hates it, but I do it anyways because, yeah. Find us on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. We go live on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Freedom Time on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find us later on in the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. And the video is uploaded directly to the website, notarealpodcast.com. Where is it? Notarealpodcast.com. There it is. Got too many freaking graphics on the thing here. Uh, we, so all the footage is direct, uh, directly uploaded to the website. No YouTube, no Facebook. So it can't be uh, taken down by them and taken off our website. I do it myself. It sucks, but I do it because, you know, I hate myself. So there you go. Also, if you go to notarealpodcast.com, these Faraday defense bags, if I can get it out of the thing. It's so big and so beefy, and it works so great. These Faraday defense bags, boom. Uh, If you're trying to keep prying eyes off of all your digital electronics that can be hacked wirelessly, like your cell phone or your iPad or your your, your, um, credit card, because it's got those little chips in them now, uh, get you one of them. Throw them suckers in there. It'll... uh, protect you also our merch is on that the website you go to the link we're changing over vendors still working on that but you can still catch you some some good merch on there so you know like redemptiontactical.com uh see if miss kaiser uh beats me to it it's a race for for time dun 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 copy oh save 
paste. And I beat her. Anyways, go to that link right there. You'll see it on the screen. Boom, RedemptionTactical.com. Use that link. That is our custom link. Uh, If you buy stuff there, it lets them know that we sent you. And that gets us one step closer to buying a Komatsu D3700 bulldozer for reasons I will not disclose publicly. But, you know, reasons. Uh, Let's see. We've got Crown by Gold, the third and final book in the Royal Green series by one Jack Casey. I am legally required to say it's a good book, but fuck Jack Casey. The Alaska Raven for all you meme needs. Uh, go find the Alaska Raven on Facebook. Uh, James Tarry for Kentucky. It is Tarry for KY.com. T O L L E R number four KY.com. People over politics, people helping people because if you're just about yourself, you're a piece of shit. And James is not a piece of shit. He's about helping the people for the people of the people. Libertarian Party Veterans Caucus. I couldn't help myself. I had to do it. Libertarian Party Veterans Caucus. It is leading libertarians to veteran issues, leading veterans to libertarian solutions. And that is it. That is the fastest I've had to talk in a long time. I feel like hurt. Like my body hurts. It's like watching those like Olympians do stuff. Speaking of that, that starts tonight. But, you know... Yeah, things. Speaking of body aches, it's a horrible guest introduction. But uh, uh, I believe he's a a, a fellow army vet. Uh, he is also from the greatest state in the United States, the volunteer state, the state with the gaudy orange, the state where we bring you things such as uh, holding up a. Uh, Oh, what's that pizza chain called? Little Caesars with an AK in Memphis, Tennessee. Mr. Future House Rep, Sawwall. What's up, y'all? <laughs> that actually happened. I've, I've heard stories of AKs holding up Little Caesars. And he was mad because it wasn't hot and ready, but apparently <laughs> he was. So, Yeah, locked and loaded. You know, that's, that's the first time I've seen that LP Veterans logo that you put up with the uh, the round for the L. That was pretty gangster. Yeah, it, it turns out when one of your co-hosts is the, the chair of a caucus, you get some some inside stuff that he's not yet put other places, I guess. Yeah, I like it. It's very funny. It is actually it is pretty sexy. I, I'll give him that. It's uh, It's pretty sexy. All about it. I'm about to steal that. <laughs> it's all right. When uh, when he when he comes at me for stealing it, I'll just I'll find some ancoms to to yell at him about property rights or some dumb shit. So, I mean, you can tax it all day. <laughs> well, Mister Sawall, how are you doing this evening? Uh, it's cold outside. Uh, out here in Tipton County, we got about three quarters of an inch of ice on the ground right now. Uh, school was canceled, so I have my eight-year-old in the other room. She's been a, a joy to hang out with all day. School's already canceled for tomorrow, so we're uh, we're just hanging out. Extended weekend. Nice. Yeah, you uh, y'all, West West Tennessee gets all the snow. I remember a convention last year. Uh. 
I drove, I think it was like a five hour drive for us to go from East Tennessee to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see, sn- we didn't see any snow or ice or anything on like the grass or medians or nothing until we almost got to Nashville. And I was like, this is whack. Yeah. I don't know how it works. I think it's something with the Mississippi river. Like we get weird weather all the time. It's crazy. Like it was 80 I mean, three days ago. Now <laughs> we have an entire. <laughs> well, we, we have the higher elevation over here. I would, I would, I would possibly say, I don't know that that's true. We are we're on mountains. Yeah. That's my argument. If I'm wrong, we're on mountains. It's the same. I believe it. But uh, the 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 reason I say that West Tennessee gets all the problems is because it's it's West Tennessee. It's 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 the lesser side of the state. It's it's not in freedom time. We we call it the armpit. <laughs> we're the armpit of Tennessee, but we own it. We love it. It's home. Yeah. I mean, nothing nothing breeds. Uh, a, a, ge- a good generation of soldiers like Memphis does. I mean, there's like the translation from Memphis to Baghdad or Afghanistan is it's almost parallel. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Uh, there's a meme I've seen. It, it compares Memphis and Nashville. But oh, what's the movie? It's about the the jail or they're they're robbing banks or something. It has a bunch of rappers in it. But I think uh, I don't know. It, they're like hiding behind it, and there's like two of them shooting, and then one guy's like hiding, and it shows the shooters is Memphis, and the guy hiding is Nashville. I'll, I'll have to find it and send it to you. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's uh, Tennessee's an interesting state. We we don't have a lot of the other problems you see in a lot of states. I shouldn't say a lot of states. We have arguably two major cities. And one minor major city, I call it. Like Knoxville is, I wouldn't say it's a major city, but it's a bigger city. But then definitely we'd have to quantify Nashville and Memphis as big cities. And you really don't see like this, at least to my knowledge, I don't go that far west unless I have to, but you really don't see the school shootings and like the, that kind of, those kind of gun issues. It, you can't count Memphis. Memphis has to quantify its own state, right? Like Memphis right. is. Its own. <laughs> we'll give that to Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't. I mean, we really don't have many school shootings out here. We have highway shootings. We have neighborhood shootings. Little Caesar shootings. But thankfully, they they tend to avoid the schools, so we we do appreciate that. But, well, Little Caesars was actually in Knoxville, and really? yes. All right. It was it was it was at a little little Caesars in Knoxville, and I was like, "Wow!" Uh, it's burger King out here. That's right. Some lady shot up a Burger King drive-through like a month ago, just because apparently her food took too long. Yeah, we don't we don't have those issues where I'm at. The worst issue we had was some lady who was who was jacked up on meth uh, was sleeping on top of a low like it's. It's a it's a one off mom and pop fast food restaurant called the Purple Cow, and she had apparently been sleeping up there for a week and fell through the roof onto the grill, and like she was butt naked, like this is the middle of the summer, so she's butt naked and they're trying to like like they're trying to catch her like what the hell are you doing, and she takes off and tries to run out the back door, the door is locked, it knocks her out, and the cops show up and grab her. Wow. So uh, that that is an original issue. <laughs> Yeah, 
We we get all the fun ones. So from meth, uh, let's let's go into uh, tell tell us a little bit about your campaign. <laughs> Man, you're giving me all like the the, the slow low swinging fruit to the intro the on fantastic transitions. Yeah, um, overall campaign's going really well. Um, without doing much fundraising, I got like I did one blast out a couple weeks ago. And we raised like 600 bucks on the weekend, so that was pretty cool. Um, I am about to start actually planning campaign events and fundraising events. Um, next up, we are doing a food truck festival. So I'll be at the Atoka Food Truck Festival in March. Um, and then the first weekend in April, I'm doing the or a crawfish boil. So it's, it's towards the end of the season. They should be nice and fat and juicy. So if you like crawfish... We will make that happen. But overall, I'm just waiting on primaries to come up so I can verify who I'm actually running with um, or running against. We got our redistricting done. That was a whole nonsense shit show. But uh, pending, the it's not challenged in court. We know what the districts are, at least. So my district, we gained a, a half a county of Haywood County, which is right next door to the east. So it, it'll be good. I'm excited. Yeah, everyone I've talked to about your campaign has said it It looks super solid. It's super organized, and you've got a lot of great stuff going on, which is, I will say, very rare to hear a lot of people say that about a libertarian campaign, um, unfortunately. But, man, uh, everyone I've talked to has said you're, you're killing it out there. So, I mean. So, my, my background is event planning. I've been doing event planning for nonprofits for the past what years, seven years. Uh, give or take. So back in 2013, so eight years, uh, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. So we, we went in and uh, got that taken care of with St. Jude. It was a two and a half year treatment plan, but that got me thrown in head first into fundraising. So the cool thing about St. Jude is they make sure that no parent gets a bill for, for any treatments or anything while we're at, while they're in treatment. But me being who I am, I, I couldn't just accept a check for $350,000 in medical treatment. So immediately I went in and started fundraising for this hospital. So to date, we've raised about the cost of that treatment, a, a little over $300,000 for, for St. Jude through our various teams we've done. So that, that got me a lot of experience of planning events and keeping organized and, and tracking all this stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a hard feat. I, I couldn't have done it alone. I had a lot of good people helping me. Um, the, the fundraising team at St. Jude was a huge asset. So I've, I've learned a lot. I've put a lot of time in, and I'm fairly good at, at raising money and getting people's support. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, it's, that's good on you because a lot of people talk about wanting to raise money, and then at the end of the day, they just, they'll sign a $20 check or whatever. But, yeah, being, just being a part of a team or organizing a team that raises – Around three hundred fifty thousand dollars is that's 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 awesome. That's yeah, we, we did that over about five years, so it wasn't all at once, but it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of corporate matching, a lot of corporate sponsorships. We we got it done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shit, five years that's still that's still impressive. So yeah. I mean, but uh, so you uh, you've got the food truck thing coming up. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the 
the food truck event? Because uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's an, an Atoka Parks and Rec event, so I'm, I'm setting up as a vendor. So I'll be I'll be out there with the table. We'll have all kinds of food trucks out there. Um, I'm trying to talk my buddy Lamichael to setting up a salad expressions truck out out there. He makes some really good salads. Just if he's listening, we'll see if he comments. But uh, yeah, it's just a really good event. I went out last year. They've, they've been doing it for about a year and a half, even through COVID. So it's just nice to get around people and outdoors and, and just have a good family-friendly environment. So they had like yeah, 30 it, or so food trucks out last time. Dang. Yeah. I don't know what it is about food trucks. Food trucks just hit differently. I don't know if it's like the the health code violations or what it is, but they're always just. just it reminds me a lot of the roach coach we had in the army. <laughs> yeah, they they pull those uh they pull those uh brown uh brown tubs off the back and. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I, like it, it's weird just eating like handheld gourmet food. Because most food trucks I've been to is like some serious gourmet shit, <laughs> to quote Pulp Fiction. But it's, yeah. it's it, you don't expect that kind of stuff to come out of a truck, and it's just awesome being able to stand there and eat. And it's really good food most of the time. Some of the best food I've ever eaten. So I've traveled uh, with the State Department when I was underage, and uh, I was with family. I'll say that because there's been a lot of allegations against the state department. So <laughs> I'll just say I was with family. Um, but, uh, some of the best food I've ever eaten was like it. Most other countries don't have food trucks. They'll have like street vendors. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. There are some serious health care violations and it's fucking phenomenal. It oh, is some of the best food I've ever eaten. Yeah. When I was in Afghanistan, we had the locals. They set up outside our, our compound we were on Camp Clark, which was a uh, an Afghan National Army basic training base. But we had a corner of it for our little compound, and then we had two OPs that we ran up in the mountains. So on their base, right outside our base, like we could walk to it because it was still all secured area. We had A and A and American guards on the front, but they had the they made the bread, their local bread, and they had curry and. All kinds of stuff. We didn't know what it was, but it was delicious. We had the shits for about a day afterwards, but it was so good going down. Well, that that kind of stuff was always good after you've had a couple of MREs uh, oh, yeah. and field ops, and you yeah. need to clean the yeah. system out. Yeah. But uh, so since we're talking about uh, <laughs> talking about that. oh this is bad anyways let's uh you're a you're a prior service vet you actually uh were introduced to me by the veterans caucus uh you want to tell people a little bit about your service and kind of you know what your background is there yeah sure um so i joined the army in 2008 um i did about a year of college once i finished high school um, got an associate's degree. It was an accelerated program. Um, did that in Orlando, Florida. At the time, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida. So I moved back home there. Then uh, ran, a, ran a small business for a little bit. That was great. And then uh, stock market and all that and housing crash in 2008. 
that threw some hiccups and, and a couple plans. And I'd, I'd always thought about joining the Army. Like, I was in eighth grade on 9-11. So I remember hearing on the radio, we were on the school bus on the way in, that planes hit the towers. And then we got there and we watched them fall on TV. And, like, that, that like, you will I'm sure had a huge impact in my childhood. So service was always in the back of my head. And then I finally decided, right, now's the time to join. So I enlisted in December of 2008, um, talked to all three branches. All three branches were joining, I'll say, um, Army, Marines, Navy. Uh, decided on the Army, um, went radio comsec repair was my official job title. So it was electronics repair, essentially. It kind of focused on what I went to college for, which was electronics repair. So I knew I'd, I'd skip through training pretty easily. Um Finished AIT uh, really quick, advanced individual training, got done two months early because I was able to fast track the first two months of it, which was at, at your own pace. Uh, then got sent to Fort Knox, Kentucky, Third um, Brigade, 1st Infantry Division. I was in the Brigade Support Battalion, but then we got uh, assigned to 6-4 Cav. So we were the maintenance platoon of the Cavalry Squadron of the 1st Infantry Division out there. Um, they were really short-handed on mechanics, and while I was in high school, I played mechanic at a tire shop doing tires and oil changes. So with that eight months of experience I got doing that, I knew significantly more than the mechanics coming right out of AIT, and they were really short-handed on mechanics anyway. So I became a mechanic, essentially, because all, all our radio stuff was getting sent back to brigade level anyways. So played mechanic most of the time. Um, when we deployed to Afghanistan in 2011, I was on the, the recovery asset. So it, it was either I was the assigned mechanic. If we were out for more than about three or four days, they just take me with the line troops, or I was on QRF uh, with the with the wrecker. So if anybody got blown up or whatever, I had to go get them. So it was a very fast year in Afghanistan. Time flew really quick. <laughs> we were fairly busy. Uh, came back beginning of 2012, got back on New Year's Eve, got back. It was probably about 5 o'clock. I had time to go to my buddy's house. I had ordered clothes and had them shipped there and changed. And then we went out and celebrated the new year. So got out about a year after that, and here we are. Nice. Yeah, it is always interesting to hear different people's stories. Um, what's what's actually really interesting is you have sort of a similar story to myself. I actually, I'm I'm a few years younger than you. I was in early elementary school when 9/11 happened. Okay. I want to say it was like first or second grade, and I actually I remember uh, we watched the towers fall on TV because we were one of those like lucky schools that had like the the shitty little tv in the the corner of the classroom uh and i don't know why they had cable that was the only school i've ever seen ever that had cable uh, attached to the system but uh um that and then uh i went through the army i went into Leonardwood in february of 2012 uh which fort Leonardwood, missouri in february Absolutely stuck ass. It is it it snowed pretty much the first two weeks I was there. Can't go to can't do any training when it snows. They they shut the base down. So guess what you get to do? They give you a broom and you get to go sweep the CTA. So mm-hmm. um 
did that, did the whole army thing, and then I got out and I did a dual major when I was in community college uh, of automotive and IT. I didn't finish my automotive certificate program, but I did finish my IT degree. So I have a four-year IT degree. But I currently work in the automotive field. (laughs) He almost did it. So close. (laughs) So when I I got out of the Army, uh, I worked with a recruiting company. I'll call call them out, Bradley Morris. So they're they're a a for-profit company, but what they do is it's a veteran placement agency. So they find veterans. They put you to the training. uh, They help you write a resume. And then they put you in front of 30 different companies if you come to one of their conferences. So I, I went and interviewed with six or seven different companies that I was interested in. And that's how I got my first job post service. It didn't cost me a dollar, nothing. Uh, the, the companies paid them to bring them talent, essentially. So I got a, I got my first job with Toyota Manufacturing in Blue Springs, Mississippi, uh, as an industrial maintenance. So that, that introduced me to a whole career that I'd never even heard of. Um, change my life for sure. So that is actually an interesting uh, conversation that I have with people. And uh, I've talked to people who do recruiting for different, different fields, different companies. And the one thing that is consistent is they will never discriminate based on race, sex, um, religion, or whatever, Hmm. but they do discriminate based on veteran status. And it's almost always pro veteran status yeah and it's it's not it's not always because of like some kind of government tax break but there is that like that 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 sense of patriotic duty like oh well these guys you know whatever but that that is the one thing that people will always say they discriminate in pro of like they they won't say oh well, we hire white people because we like white people more they won't say that we hire christians because we like christians more but they will blatantly you see commercials about this all the time like oh we hire veterans like you know we're a pro-veteran company nobody blinks it out it is an open discrimination thing based upon like previous work experience and you'll know this as much as i do not everyone who is prior service or anyone who is not everyone who is in the military is cut out to do like jobs correctly like a lot of them suck at what they did being with their hands being held but uh that, that is a, it's so that, a super interesting concept. That discrimination has bounced back and forth. I remember when I first got out, uh, it was as you got in, but we had the, it was the broken veteran stigma was going around. So that was when like dysfunctional veterans was really big on Facebook. And we just, like we were being portrayed in TV and all these movies and TV shows as being these broken broken veterans essentially being war torn like PTSD was played up a lot like what people had and I'm I'm not downplaying it but it was almost targeted and shown as a weakness and veterans were seen as unstable unreliable potential to be dangerous to society so that that was a thing uh, probably from 2010 to 2012 I remember because I had buddies that had gotten out and were then facing that, that actual discrimination in the workplace because that was right after the big push in Iraq and uh, what was that, 07, 08? 
But that, that was an issue. But then eventually we, we've gotten away from that, thankfully, and veterans are now seen as assets to the workforce, as, as most of them, I'd say, are. And the one thing I will say, especially in modern America, like corporate America is a horrible place to work. Uh, veterans know what it's like to work for idiots yeah. Uh, yeah. that are run by other idiots. So, I mean, if anybody can handle that situation, it's it's millennial veterans. Right. But then on the other hand, you got the ones that'll be like, no, we're not doing this dumb shit. And then, like, I, I've seen it turn around companies. And I, so what's funny is, like, I've spent years uh, working on cars off and on, and I've got this kid who's, like, 22 I say kid, I'm I'm still in my twenties, my late twenties, but in my twenties. Uh he's 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 a like an oil change guy. He does like oil changes and tires. And I was talking to him the other day and I said, I will give you the one piece of advice I can ever give you that will change your life. Understand using the word fucking no. If it looks stupid and it's gonna get you killed, say no. If it looks dangerous and it's gonna get you killed, say no. If it's going to hurt you in any way or cause you to lose your job, say no. And it was one of those things where, like, like the guy who hired me for the shop I work at now, he's he's going to make me service manager within a couple of months. The guy who's there now is leaving. He's getting, like, $2 million or some shit, some, something stupid, whatever. Anyways. it requires a certain level of being an asshole that can only be attained from certain things in life. Uh, the military is one of them, but you do have to be logical in it. You, you can't always be an asshole and always say, no, you have to know when to choose your battles. And I think that is a, that's an acquired touch. Absolutely. Yeah. I did the, uh, I did industrial maintenance for a while. That was a great career. Like, I love that. So when I was with Toyota, I was working on robots. They built the uh, the Toyota Corolla down there. So I was in the body weld section. It was just cool seeing all the robots bring everything in. It was very Terminator-esque. But they, they weld it all together, and then it goes off to the body weld section, or the paint section, rather. But it was neat. We did that for about a year. So your evidence that even if robots remove jobs someone still has to fix those robots oh absolutely like that that's that was my whole job was breaking or when the robots would break we had to get them up so if i couldn't fix it in less than a minute i had to notify my first line and after if it was down for 10 minutes we had to notify like the vp of the company so it was very high intensity Fast moving. We put a car off the assembly line every 45 seconds. So, like, 10 minutes, that's probably, what, 13, 14 cars? So, $40,000 a pop adds up quick. Yeah. Toyota must have some damn good robots because they make some good shit. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were – most of the issues, I will say, was human error. So, it was – Humans putting the parts into a into a jig in a particular spot, and if it wasn't in there perfectly, or if something was bent when the robot would pick it up, it would sense a fault and then it would freeze. 
So then I would have to come over and mess with the robot manually and get it to let go, put the part down, and make sure it was good. But automation is, is huge, and it's, it's going to be revolutionary, but there will always be human involvement with it. Has to be. I mean, somebody's got to build the robots, right? Until we have, like, like uh, the Matrix where the robots are building robots or whatever. Uh, that yeah. that could be. <laughs> but have, have you seen that that art piece that was done? It was the robot with the broom with the oil leak. Somebody set that up as an art exhibit. So essentially, it's the saddest thing ever if you look at it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got the hydraulic fluids. Yeah, it's programmed to vacuum up the oil that's leaking from it, and it's like a, a leak that was designed in the system. So eventually, it's spraying everywhere. It can't suck up enough oil for it to run, and then it just slowly dies. So hopefully, if the robots ever do take over, that kind of stuff really happens. But like metaphorically, it's a very sad art exhibit, if that makes sense. I mean, in a lot of ways, we'll uh, let's get closer to the mic. In a lot of ways, that's the uh, the human condition, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's us working to die. Yeah, and that's that. I think that was the idea behind it. But yeah, it's it makes you think. But also, robots can't run themselves. <laughs> Good enough. has got to build the robots. Yeah, so I left Toyota after about a year, um, moved up here to the Memphis area. I got a job. I went from a job where we had a 45-second tack time, which is the, the time it takes to get it off the line, to a transformer facility where we made very large uh, power transformers that go outside of, like, nuclear power plants and power stations and all that. It took 18 months to build those. <laughs> so I went from the fastest-paced environment you can be in probably the slowest manufacturing environment you could be in. So that was a huge transition and just going from one, like running everywhere to get something fixed to being like, all right, we can wait two weeks for a new part. It was very, very different. Uh, I got a little excited. You said you went from a, a Toyota facility to a Transformers facility. I was really hoping Optimus Prime was coming into this conversation somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that exciting, but no, power <laughs> Autobots, unfortunately. But we got that. Hey. We did have a lightning generator there. That thing was pretty cool. Hey, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the U.S. It could be Decepticons. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't always see us as the good guys. So. Yeah. We probably would be Decepticons. Well, I mean, the Decepticons had always had the, all the good arsenal, right? Like, they had all the cool we had weapons. The and, stuff, and we had you know, the Autobots had cars, motorcycles. <laughs> they had hearts. Tanks, fighter jets, <laughs> battleships. Yeah, yeah. The, well, that's the thing. The Decepticons, they had all the cool arsenals, but the Autobots, they, they had heart. They yeah. had Bumblebee, they had Optimus, they had... Oh, give me an A-10 all day. <laughs> Blow your heart away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So... I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the one big item of the last couple of years. What was the response in West Tennessee for uh, COVID over the last couple of years? It, have most people been really receptive of it or has it been like a lot of open rebellion? What's it been? What's it kind of been like? All right. So I work in Memphis. 
Amethysts, which is deep blue, like deep blue. And then I live in Tipton County, which is the county north, which is bright red. <laughs> so Memphis was doing all kinds of dumb shit. They did all the restrictions. They, they were trying to push vaccine mandates. They still are. Like a couple of the, uh, in, in, what is it, East Memphis in Midtown, there's still places that ask for your vaccine card. They didn't get anything official, unlike the city rules. But they had restaurants shut down for the whole as long as they could. Like it, it was, it was a nightmare in Memphis. And then you go to where I live, and they were like minimal restrictions. They did mask mandates a little bit in the beginning, but they got rid of those quick. But then the school board, once they reopened schools last year, excuse me, they uh, they wanted the mask mask mandate in the school. So we had a. Somebody made a Facebook group. I think it was Richard Gray. And it got 1,200 members in like three days of anti-mask mandate for the schools. So it's it's a lot of back and forth. It just depends on what, what municipality you're in at the time. Because we have Memphis, and then within Memphis, it's Shelby County. But within that, you have three or four municipalities. You have Bartlett, uh, Germantown, Cordova, and Collierville. I'm probably missing one or two. And they have their own city governments that then clash with Memphis city government. And then you have the county, which is blue, trying to control the different municipalities. And then you have the red Nashville governor trying to tell the blue municipality what to do. And they're like, no, you can't tell us what to do. And then they tell the municipalities what to do. Because then like, well, you can't tell us what to do if they can't tell you what to do. It's, uh, it was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. But I think we're on the tail end of it. I'm really hoping we are with the Omicron or whatever it's called, the Decepticon variant. Like they, I call it the Optimus Prime variant, yeah. So they didn't do any restrictions on this one. So with Delta, they brought back some, some restrictions. But this one, I guess they – I don't know why, but I'm thankful that they didn't do anything. So it peaked up to the highest numbers, and then they're like, oh, my God. And then the, the city government just spent like $300 million buying masks or some ridiculous number. Might have been $3 million. I don't know. It was a lot of money. So they're buying masks and tests, even though the federal government is providing everybody tests. The city bought some, too, for some reason. We still don't understand that. But whatever. I don't know this. I don't particularly care. But it's just funny to watch. So I'm, I'm friends with a couple of aldermen and, and different stuff out there. And they're just talking about how the city's wasting all this money when we're getting taxed with our federal dollars, who is then spending it on the tests. And then the sales tax and everything in the municipality, they're wasting that money on more tests. And then numbers peaked up and they're already coming down. And now they're like, oh, how are the numbers coming down? We didn't do anything. <laughs> and we're all like, yeah, we've been telling you this. If you could have just sat back, like the worst thing the government can do is to do something for the sake of doing something. Like that, that's been a saying that we've been throwing around for a couple months out here, and hopefully they're getting it now. But I'm, I'm hoping this Omicron variant is, is the end of COVID. I really am. It seems like everybody's over it. And thankfully it was a, a more minor variant, but 
somehow deaths are still up, but I don't know. It's weird. This whole COVID thing is weird. Like it affects everybody so differently. Well, yeah, it, it's been it's been interesting to follow. Um, uh, like Tuesday night, I talked about a guy out in North Carolina who is being denied a kidney transplant, um, which he's only got four percent kidney function, uh, which which means he is terminal. He needs a kidney. Uh, but they're denying him, denying him a kidney transplant because he doesn't have the COVID vaccine, which the COVID vaccine has a 1% mortality rate opposed to COVID, which has like a 0.001% mortality right now. Uh, so, you know, it makes sense. You know, they're going to give him the 90% death versus whatever. But what, what's funny is where I live at is... Uh, we, we see people wearing masks every now and then. Like, so I'll say this. So the shop I work at, is an, it's an international uh, company. Um, there's shops all over the world where I work at. I don't, I never talk about where I work at because that one person who does some dumb shit, whatever. But we see people come in with wearing masks. So technically we're supposed to wear them. We don't because nobody gives a shit. We see people wearing masks. Nobody says anything. Like most people are like, I'll just wear it. I want to. It makes me feel better. Whatever. I um, think society's at that point where people are just letting people do what they want. Continue. Which is fine. I, I mean, as long as you're not telling me I have to wear it, I'm good with that. I will still laugh at you. <laughs> but I will, uh, not to your face, but mm-hmm. I'll still laugh at you. Uh, like if you, if you drive. Yeah, I mean, if you drive a like a '92 Honda Civic with the fucking rice can on it, I'm still gonna laugh at you. Yeah, maybe not to your face. Maybe I will. Anyways, uh, we we get more complaints about people bitching about COVID restrictions. Like like we have a website that's dedicated to like complaints. We get more complaints about people saying, "You guys need to stop taking COVID so fucking seriously." And I look around and I see an entire shop full of people not wearing masks who aren't vaccinated. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Living life to the fullest. (laughs) It's like that meme. Uh, Some of y'all are wearing masks by yourself in your car and then some of us are raw dog in life. We're not the same. I I still see people doing that. I don't get it. They They drive around in their car by themselves with a mask on. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But if it makes them feel better, have at it. Like, live life to the fullest. Do whatever you want. But no, I'm good. It's it's that Optimus Prime variant. They're driving around in Transformer cars, and they don't want to get they don't they don't want to get the Optimus Prime variant from their car. <laughs> to, to, again, to each their own. I love everybody, but. Come on, y'all. <laughs> uh, like that. It's like that old Southern saying, "Bless their heart," and yeah, it's not. Absolutely. It's just so funny how politicized it's been, too. So, like you, you, I was on the Capitol yesterday. So we had veterans on the Hill. I don't know if you heard of that. Once a year, it's the first Wednesday in February. Uh, there's a group called TN Vets, and they invite 
all the vets from the different service organizations. I'm a life member of the VFW. So they, they invite whoever wants to come out to go to the Hill and lobby to all the representatives about different veteran related bills. So we talked about um, adding a second license plate. So up until 2015, 100% disabled veteran could get two free disabled veteran license plates. And then apparently nobody was paying attention and they knocked that back down to one. So that's just another complaint that I have that I'll get to in a minute. But, so we're lobbying again to get two license plates instead of one license plate, which will cost the government like 60 bucks and lost registration fees per 100% disabled veteran, which I don't think is that many in Tennessee, probably a couple thousand. Um, we pushed for medical marijuana. So I was very proud of them for wanting to push that. Um, I pushed my representative for full legalization marijuana just because I don't like doing stuff half-ass but uh, it was funny I got to lobby to the lady that I'm running against so we had a whole conversation for like an hour so that'll be another conversation um, she knows who I am I've met her previously like we're very friendly she's a sweet lady I love her to death just too passive for me um, so another bill this is the, the main one that we were pushing for so everybody at least normal people that I talk to have seen COVID being stamped on death certificates for stuff that isn't COVID. So when that's happened to a service-connected veteran, their spouse doesn't get survivor benefits because they died of COVID, not their service-connected disability. So they're really pushing a bill to have coroners, coroners medical, exam, medical examiners, and physicians go back and look at all the death certificates that were labeled COVID of service-connected veterans and comparing their service connection with what they died of. And if there's any potential overlap to call it a service-connected death rather than a COVID death. I actually didn't think about that. That is, that is a huge issue. I didn't think about because yeah. how many, I mean, how many vets are, you know, very, that would definitely fall under the, the high-risk category for COVID. Yeah. That like, would have for Vietnam, like, it destroyed their bodies, and then they happen to test positive with COVID while they're dying of Asian orange exposure, and then their spouse gets nothing. Like, there's, there's finally been enough people complain about it that this organization heard about it, and then we pushed that out. So I, I fully believe that bill will, was hopefully introduced yesterday. Yesterday was the filing deadline. So hopefully it was introduced. If not, we'll push it through next year when I'm elected. But we'll, we'll figure it out going forward. But yeah. everybody we talked to was very receptive of it and saying, hey, we need to do something about it. Yeah, that's uh, – so I'm actually really close to the state rep that's in my district. Um mm-hmm. If you want to pass that along to me, I'll call him tomorrow and ask him if what he thinks about it. Because anyone who's who's opposed to that, that's nobody was opposed. To it. We just got to make sure somebody filled it out and filed the bill yesterday before the filing deadline. So I haven't seen a bill, and I haven't seen a bill number, but it was we needed somebody to sponsor it. So the. The, the lady I'm running against, this Representative Moody, she said that she was going to talk to all her people and make sure that somebody was doing it. So I need to follow up with 
her as well to, to make sure that was done. Yeah, my my rep is uh, rep Bud Halsey. He uh, mm-hmm. he's the one that introduced the the signature reduction bill last year. Yeah. Uh, it, the one he was the one that introduced that bill. Basically, our signature requirement would have gone from five percent to two point five percent, and it got shot down. And he was kind of like, "I'm not going to push it," That's but shot. the fact that he he yeah yeah fucking dickhead Shaw, um, but. He he he's he's done some interesting things. He also introduced that that legislation that also got denied that would have made it illegal to be on state property wearing your hood up. So he, he's an older guy. Um he's a good dude. I'll say this. He's he's a good dude, he's just elderly. Yeah. He comes from that generation, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but I yeah, I'll definitely harp on him about that because that is something we should do. Like, I feel yeah, like that'll, that'll have unanimous support and get pushed through. It fucking should. Because see, what's funny is my grandfather actually is going through the entire gambit right now. He's he's got Parkinson's and everything that stems from that because of the Agent Orange in Vietnam. Um, he was also an MP. Uh, he was the one that kind of pushed me into it. I, I grew up with Marines with the, the State Department, the MSGs, and I kept trying to get in with the Marines. He, he kind of was like, "Oh, why, why don't why don't we go over here and talk to the Army?" I was like, yeah, well, "Sure, whatever." And that Army recruiter, man, I tell you what, that motherfucker could sell Bibles to a church. Yeah, that uh, that guy could. He could he could sell some shit, and uh, but uh, yeah that and so moving past that, my grandfather is still a Republican. My grandmother she is fully converted to libertarianism. That may be the single issue that we could push as a party that could convert someone like that. Yeah. Like if if we can say, look, COVID is such bullshit that it's taking money away from spouses of uh, mm-hmm. military veterans. Yeah. yeah. See, my, my dad's a Vietnam vet and my grandpa's World War II. So I'm, I'm third gen army. But uh, dad dad is a, a right wing Republican. But I'm, I'm every time I'm home, I'm, I'm talking to him and like showing him like, hey, like, what do you think of this? Oh, yeah, I love it. Well, that's not a Republican platform anymore. So <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> So he's yeah, he's converting slowly but surely. Yeah, my old man, he uh he was Air Force, so is my uncle, he was Air Force as well. But my old man, he uh he finally bought a gun last year. It was it last year it was no, it was twenty twenty. Yeah. He, he finally bought a gun in twenty twenty. And I asked him, I said, Well, why'd you buy a gun? And it was during the, the George Floyd riots. He said, Well, you know, there's all these these black people riots going on. I don't want nobody breaking into my house. I said you understand how that sounds a little racist, right? Like just, just, just a smidgen. And he's like, "Well, I don't, I don't hate black people. I just don't want people breaking into my house." I was like, uh, "Where does he?" Uh, <laughs> oh, he lives very close to DC, oh, very okay. close. Yeah. So, to be fair, it, it was a very serious concern at the time. Makes sense. 
but it was the first time he's ever purchased a firearm, as far as I know. Uh, I had I had bought guns in high school. As soon as I turned eighteen, I bought guns, and my stepmother, who was a staunch Democrat, uh, it was it was not it was not a, it was not a great situation. Right. But uh, yeah, he uh, he's he is very pro Trump, and uh, things have not been great in my family with me. Uh, I. Uh, I talk on I talk shit online uh, as a side hustle, yeah. so uh, you can only imagine how family reunions go. Yeah, well, see, I voted for Trump in sixteen. Like I loved what he was slinging down. I was all about it. I like, did. Ran the swamp. Do it. Like it was that was before I learned about the Libertarian Party, but I knew. Like, I've been a registered independent since 2006, I think, when I graduated high school. Like, my dad was a Republican growing up. Mom voted for whoever was cuter, which was typically a Democrat. But <laughs> <she didn't know>. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an interesting dynamic growing up. So she voted for Clinton. Um, she voted Obama. I don't even remember who else was in there. John Kerry, I think, was in there. She voted for him. Um, either way. So dad, army veteran, Republican, mom, not give, doesn't care at all. American <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I will <laughs> definitely give you shit here in, a, here in about a month when I walk past your booth. At the LPTN convention. Oh yeah. Like, hey, who's who's uh who's mom voting for this year? Because <laughs> more than likely it's gonna be two ugly ass white dudes. So uh I really hope Trump doesn't run again. Oh, you know he will. If he's alive, he'll run again. It was so not, like I'm I'm totally against tech censorship. I'll throw that out there. But when Twitter kicked him off platform. It was peaceful for like two months. Like then he made a press release about something and it was so ridiculous. And he caught the news and I didn't realize how much he annoyed me with his off the wall shit. But again, I, I love what he, I love what he ran on in 2016. He had my vote. But if he could just like stop talking every once in a while, he would have done so much better. Yeah, I actually joined the LP at the end of 2020, uh, before the election. Yeah. Um, yeah. He brought me in early 2020. So. Yeah, was, I bought it for. Go ahead. Ladies first. Wow. <laughs> I went there. I'll remember that. Mm-hmm. But, uh,. I think it's her. Anyways, um. Anyways. <laughs> oh God! All right, it's so fuck. Anyways, yeah, I voted for uh, Trump in twenty sixteen. Um, it's not been a secret. Like I am, I, I try to be very open about my mm-hmm. political affiliation past. Um, it, it, I think it makes sense to a lot of people when I talk about it, but. I had been a Republican pretty much my whole life. Originally, it started off as, oh, my family's all Republicans. It makes sense. I should be a Republican. 
And then you kind of dig into it and you're like, oh, well, you listen to all these political commentators like Ben Shapiro. And I, I was, for a long time, I listened to Ben religiously. And then you start doing opposition research. And as I've always told people, like the, the movement that brought me into the party was the Boogaloo Boys. They fucking bullied me religiously online because I joined all the groups and everything. And they were like, oh, you're a fucking status cuck. I was like, what are you talking about? And so I started doing opposition research. And a lot of it makes sense when you put, when you take, so what both parties do is they take a surface level look at everything. And they're like, oh, well, this is an issue. I'm only going to look this deep. Oh, this is an issue. I'm going to look this deep. But when you go about 12 steps down and you find where the, the origin of the problem is, everything makes more sense. And that's what both sides are missing. And that's how I ended up here. And it's it's not been uh, super favorable to a lot of people. Like the other day, I had a guy who I work with who identifies as a centrist. And he has for a long time, according to him. He says, well, you know, how do you feel about taxation? I said, well, if you're forcing someone to give you money for something, what do you call that? He said, well, it sounds like taxes. I said, if I hold a gun to your head, and force you to give me money, what do you call that? He says, it's robbery. I said, what's the difference? I said, if I send cops to your house to give you, force you to give me money, what's, what's that called? He said, well, who's going to pay for the roads? And I said, no roads. <laughs> I said, damn it, he's got me. You foiled my plot. I've never heard that argument before. <laughs> I said, it's a good thing that your government that you pay all this money to is already taking care of all these fantastic roads that are paved in gold and silver. Yeah. Domino's is not my answer. You remember that campaign they did filling the potholes? Did you see that? Domino's? Oh, yeah. I brought that up in the argument. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> he started, he, he said, I said, well, who benefits the most from roads? He says, well, if you think companies are going to pay for roads, you're fucking stupid. I said, well, Domino's did. Yeah. And they got shut down by local governments. Mm -hmm. Because, lo and behold, uh, they don't want someone showing them that they look bad. And I fucking kid you not. On so for I live so close to where I work at, I drove home for lunch. Guess what I saw on my way home for lunch? A Domino's label on the... No. No. So I seen uh Tennessee uh the Tennessee T dot yeah, uh, doing road repair. They took a pile of fucking dirt from the end of the road and was pushing it with an earth mover down the road to fill in like holes in the road. And I was like, you know that would make sense if they weren't using a material that will expand when it gets wet and then when it freezes it'll expand more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like, like sand. Like most states use fucking sand. No, we don't do that here. See, at least out here in Memphis, I'll see them every once in a while on the highway. So they, they block traffic and then they have a it's essentially a dump truck lowered. Almost a pickup truck. I don't know. And they have this cold pressed asphalt. Like it's the neatest stuff ever because I use it at work where if you compact it down, it becomes asphalt, essentially, and you don't have to heat it or do the steam press or 
or anything like that. So they'll just be walking down the road, shoveling out and filling the potholes with the cold press stuff. Then the more you drive on it, the harder it gets. And it's awesome. It's good stuff. But they, they'll do that on the highways, at least out here, at least. So they're, they're, they're doing the roads. I'll give them that. My roads. Yeah, we uh we don't get that luxury. We uh we we just we buy mud tires and we just deal with it. We just we just go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so the reason they do it out here because if it's reported, apparently they have three days to fix it, and if it's been reported, and then it's after three days, and if you hit it, they're liable for the replacement cost. Now here in Memphis, we got a lot of low profile rims driving around. So they hit that and it snaps a rim, and then that's 500 bucks easy. So they got tired of paying it out. So they're is that right. statewide legislation or is that a local ordinance? I'm not sure. It, it might be a Memphis thing, but I, I feel like it would be statewide. Because that would make sense. We- we had some lady the other day talking about, well, I shouldn't say the other day, this is like five fucking years ago, but she was like, oh, well, I hit a pothole and it broke my tire. Was, and she's like, I'm going to sue the state. And I'm like, yeah, good fucking luck with that shit. Uh, good luck getting any money out of those assholes. And with you saying that, that makes more sense. She may have been from Memphis yeah. and that may be common knowledge out there. I was like, I don't know anything about this. I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, your tire is fucked. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's a thing out here. I would hope it's statewide because if, I mean, nobody else is liable for it. You got to, we pay taxes to maintain the roads. <laughs> like that's everybody's argument. So you better fucking maintain it. Like, Jesus. That's, that's really interesting. I'm a, I'm gonna look into that. That is, yeah, That's... yeah. I'm. <laughs> I just put a brand new set of tires on my truck. Let me tell you, uh, the state may be buying for them and wheels, tires yeah. and wheels, and a suspension. Take them for what you can. <laughs> uh, I, I want to brag for a minute. Good job muting while you're coughing. COVID. <laughs> Rona. Oh. Yeah. So for the past three years, um, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, I have an eight-year-old. Um, taxes have been in my favor for the past three years. I have had zero federal tax liability for the past three years. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. Nice. Yeah, it's hard to do, but the, the kid tax credit definitely helps, especially with the, the Rona one. But I will definitely encourage everybody that I can to use every deduction and loophole that you can find to not pay taxes. Fully encourage it. So I've been, uh, I've been trying to get a gauge on who has ever used uh so we had dan berman on a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and you know he's like the the taxationist theft guy yeah and i went on his website and there's like this whole list of things on how you get out of paying federal income tax mm-hmm. and one thing he had talked about 
uh, was that you're actually not, as an individual, not liable for taxes. Apparently, according uh, on the website, it, it talks about how it refers to, in the, in the tax code, it refers to executives of companies and owners of companies or uh, companies and then executives of companies <laughs> who are liable for taxes not the average American. So most Americans just pay taxes, but I've been, I've been trying to get a hold of the people that are responsible for like supposedly helping people get out of paying taxes. And I've not heard anything back yet. I'm trying to find someone who's been through the program, who's not paid taxes outside of Dan Berman, who lives in Mexico. Uh, but if, if I can get out of paying taxes, dude, I can't tell you what I'd do. I would do a lot to not pay taxes. So, like, I paid, I paid in thirty five hundred or so through my W two job. So, I, like, I pay in all year just because I never know what changes during the year. The IRS changes stuff all the time. So, personally, I'd rather not owe them come April. So, I, I let them take stuff out of my paycheck. But then, for at least the past three years, between claiming my kid. Uh, I own a rental property, so I rented out below market rate just to buddies of mine. Uh, I had to move and left the house. I didn't sell it at the time. So between my kid and my rental property, for a while I was in school. So we, we get really good tax credits if you're a student. So I don't know if you knew that, but if you're a full-time student, you get like American credits and all kinds of stuff. So between all of that, I wasn't a student this year, but I was previously in yeah, like there's tax credits out there. You just got to know about them. And it's definitely worth learning some tax code type stuff to get out of paying taxes because taxation is that. Yeah, there was some communist somewhere that heard you said that you're a landlord and lost their shit. That's, that's why I wanted to clarify. So market market rate right now with real estate doing what it is, I could I could rent my house out for fourteen hundred bucks, but it's currently occupied. I, my mortgage full disclosure is about seven fifty. I rent it out for for nine fifty. So that covers taxes and and all that. I'm I'm not making any money, but I'm I'm trying to help the community. So that that's a goal of mine is to own more houses and rent them out at below market rate just to help fix this housing crisis that we're in. But there's nothing the government can do to fix it. So it's on people to do good things. Damn straight. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've heard of people getting calls from the realtors that sold in their house saying, Hey, would you be interested in selling? Like mm-hmm. I've got someone right now. Like, so a guy I work with, his realtor called him and said, hey, I've got a guy, I showed him pictures of when you bought the house seven years ago, who was willing to pay almost $200,000 more for the house that you bought yeah. seven years ago. It's absolutely and ridiculous. It's insane. So that, that first, my rental house, I bought it in 2017 in January. So I've owned it for what, five years now. It has doubled in value per like appraisals and Zillow and all that. I bought it for 120. It's worth about 210, 215 right now. 
Like I, I get cold calls all the time of those uh, we buy junk houses or whatever, where they're they're offering money to to hand it over. But the house that I'm in now, I bought. I started looking at this house right as COVID was kicking off. So I got under contract in February, and I moved in in July. Um, it was a new build, new construction, but the company that built it apparently owed an investor money. So the investor, when he found out it was under contract, closed on it. So then I had to sit and wait for almost a year to be able to close and get it in my name and do all that. But in the meantime, I was like, look, my other house is rented out. I have somebody living in it. I need a place to live. So they let me live here for free for like six months. And then I had to start paying a rent once the investor took took place. So then I was paying them like 1100 and 1150 a month, I think. When my mortgage was about 1100 once I closed. I'm rambling. But the property value, when I went under contract, it was appraised at 220 And then a year later, when we finally got around to closing, it appraised at 260 And that was that, that COVID year when the supply and demand issue like was taking place and housing skyrocketed. But I was under contract, so we had to honor it for the contract price. So I immediately had equity. And I've just gotten really lucky both times I bought the house. Nice. Well, it is we're, – we're a little bit over the one-hour mark. I try to keep it around an hour. Uh, is there – so I will see you personally uh, face-to-face here in about a month and a half. Yeah, six weeks. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, March 19th and 20th. Yeah. That's my birthday weekend, too. We're all fun. Ooh. We're going to have to get drunk. Uh, we so I'll, say, I'll just close this. We're getting an Airbnb. Uh, the the lovely ladies who help run this show, uh, Miss Kaiser and Miss uh, Carly, um, we're all getting an Airbnb for a convention, and we're gonna fucking get stupid drunk and do dumb shit. So you are absolutely one hundred percent welcome uh, to come and. If you bring your lady friend who is, you said your fiance. Yeah. If so she we'll, come? We'll probably stay at the hotel because she is coming with me. So my plan is to get a room at the hotel right there, but we will come hang out with y'all. <laughs> hey, I'm down for whatever. I think we got to, I think right now we still have a spare room and I can talk to you about that. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's whatever. Well, anyways, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you stupid fucking drunk. Because uh, you deserve it. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug, like a website where people can donate to? Yeah. They can help you out. So, <laughs> again, you're throwing me these these lowball transitions. <laughs> let's get let's get jacked up. Oh, by the way, donate to the uh, so my name is nicksawall.com. It's right where we at, right here. Nicksawall, no space.com. And if you hit the slash donate, or you can go to the menu and, and pull that up through there. Um, I definitely appreciate it. I have one recurring monthly donator. There's a better word for that. Sponsor. No, not sponsor. Donor. Donor. That one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you can you can become a recurring donor, which would be huge. Zach Tatum, you're my boy. He is my one recurring monthly donor. So I, I love. It was about two weeks ago. His his donation hit. You don't have to do it for much. If you set up five dollars as a monthly recurring donation between now and the election, that'll cost you fifty bucks. But five bucks a month, I promise you can afford it. And it would do a great deal to help me out. So if you go to nixawall.com, you can see all my issues. Go to my donation website. Uh, you can see my platform. You can learn a little bit about me. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I see my eight-year-old daughter waving her fingers under the door over there. So that's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, check out my website. Yeah, there we are. If you've been following the Libertarian Party for a while, on the homepage you had the three ponies at the bottom. Threw that in there for our hardcore people. Yeah, you can donate. It takes about 35, 40 seconds altogether. Uh, doing that, that $5 recurring donation would be huge. But that's, that's all I got. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, we're going to minimize the government and maximize your freedom. Well, I am signing up right now. I will finish after this episode. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw, you know what? I'll throw 10 bucks if people who are listening to this and watching this, the few that are still watching, because at about the, the one hour mark, they drop off to go watch Matt Wright. Uh, yeah, we have one Facebook follower right now, and it's it's me. <laughs> I was watching. Oh. <laughs> well, so we've got one other person somewhere else. We've got two people right now. They like up. Let's see, Twitch. We got one person on Twitch. There we go. Uh, I don't do it for the likes. I do it for the fun. Yeah, like, I do it to get drunk. Oh man, it was a great time talking to you. I love this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Everybody else wants to do all the serious shit. Uh, we do all the fun shit. No, but uh, I feel like you learn a lot about me while I'm just sitting here. Bullshit. It, it's that's important though. I mean. I set out to make people look human. Yeah. Uh, everyone else makes them look like candidates, and we have fun. We get drunk that, and do dumb shit. That, that's kind of my platform that I'm pushing out. Is I'm not a politician. Like I'm a blue collar worker. I'm a normal American. I'm I'm a veteran. I'm a patriot. Like I'm I'm here because I'm a normal person. And these politicians have been ruining our country for years. Years, my entire life, our executive branch has just been growing and growing and growing. And the legislative branch, which is what I'm running for, is doing nothing to stop it. So we need more, like I love veterans running. I'm all about veterans running. We need more veterans running. We need more people that are doing it for the right reasons to run and to put a stop to this nonsense that we have in our our federal and state governments. That was a nice soundbite. I might have to record that later. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking amazing. It got me excited. I, not, there's not many people that come on here and get me excited. Uh, that's what she said. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, it's... Yeah, we need people who actually give a shit anymore if we don't have many of those. Like, there, there are so many... I met so many people in Nashville yesterday that are there for either their ego or... 
for their personal gain. And like, I don't, I definitely do not want to do this for personal gain. Like, this is the last thing I want to do, if I'm going to be totally honest, is run for government and be attacked by everybody for pissing people off. Like, I, 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 I got a pretty good life right now. Like, I'm, my fiance is in the other room. I got my eight-year-old I love spending time with. I'm not doing this for me. Like, I've, I've served my country before, and I'm ready to serve it again because the, the way we're going is not a good direction. Like, I got a lot of anarchist buddies who have given up, and I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Uh, this network is full of anarchists who have not yet given up. I I don't. I'll say this. I personally don't see things going in a diplomatic way, but I'm willing to fight the 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 more rational and civil fight before we turn to violence. If we get more people, like that's how our government's set up. If we get more people to give a shit involved and run for these offices from the bottom up, like I know the Libertarian Party likes to go for the presidency. It's a great thing for optics and keeping the party relevant. But all, all government is local. So if we get more good people involved at the municipal level, the state level, like all these lower level governments, the federal government shouldn't matter who's in charge. They should have no say on our day to day life because of the Tenth Amendment. Like all power is appointed state or powers appointed in the federal government, everything else to the state. So the state has the responsibility to put good people in charge, and we need more good people to run and to, to put this in check and get it done. Like, I'm not trying to do this forever. I'm, I'm doing this until we get enough people motivated to to get back on track. As the wise David Tyler has once said, we're planting seeds for a tree that we will never sit under the shade of, mm-hmm. but it is a tree worth planting. Yeah. Like, my eight-year-old's right on the other side of this door right over here. I'm doing this for her and for her kids and for her kids' kids. Like, I want them to live in a country that's free. I want them to have the American dream. And it's it's just ridiculous. This is not, as a veteran, this is not the country I fought for. And it's I not want, what we were promised. Right. We, we can do better. So let's yeah, see. I, I, have a, I have a five-year-old. I have a three-year-old. I feel the same way. It's I, I look at the world around us, and I see how it goes day to day. It's not a world I want to leave for them. It's getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. We, we the, the federal government talks about how bad China is and how oppressive China is. We, <laughs> we, we do the same shit. We do, we do worse shit here to our own people than, than mm-hmm. China could ever imagine. Now, we don't, we don't necessarily have concentration camps, but we, we throw people in, in prison for growing weed. Mm-hmm. We throw people in prison for smoking weed. We throw people in prison for dumb shit. Tennessee um, has one of the highest populations of prisoners in, in the country. I think we're number five. I was looking at that. very high. It's up there. I mean, we look around and we see all these things that we claim that we weren't, that we fought against, and we are those things that we say that we fought against. Mm-hmm. You know, 
at the end of World War II, we said we defeated the Nazis, and then Operation Paperclip brought all these Nazis into our own ranks. Yeah. We, we became the Nationalist Socialist Party of America. The more I learn about how the government operates, the more I get mad about it. I, I told so many people that nationally yesterday is they get away with so much stuff because nobody's paying attention. If, if yeah. we like that, that's my goal as a representative is just to bring transparency and show the people what these folks are doing in Nashville. Like they're getting away with so much stuff, like the license plate issue that I mentioned earlier. That passed because nobody was watching. If anybody was watching, they wouldn't say, hey, let's tax veterans more for driving. Like that that wouldn't have happened. But because nobody was paying attention and nobody was speaking against it, it, it got through as a budget saver. So I'm going I'm to touch on this. Did you know that there was a bill at the federal level that would have automated uh, VA access for for people who are moving from active duty to veteran status, it would have automated the process for VA access. So what it would have done is basically if if you qualified for the VA while you're in service, it would have forced the DOD and the VA to communicate and say, oh, well, these people are qualified. We're going to give them VA access. It doesn't matter if you use it or not. It gives you the access to walk into any Veterans Affairs hospital and get service instantly. You don't have to apply for it, nothing. It would have forced the VA to give veterans access to it. Do you know which party turned it down? The Republicans. Only, only because the person who introduced it was a Democrat from California. See, that that's my issue. All right. So we didn't talk about this at all today. But for the past five years, I've worked with an organization called Irreverent Warriors who does veteran suicide prevention. I don't know if you heard of them. We did Silky Sites. It's awesome. But I heard a stat the other day, two-thirds of veteran suicides, which is a huge number already. It's 22 a day, roughly. Two-thirds of the veterans that are committing suicide aren't in the VA system. So a bill like that would directly fight veteran suicide. Yep. That, that pisses me off. It so pissed what, me what, off too. It, when, when was this? If you give me that bill number. So I, I got a buddy of mine, Bob Hendry. He's running against David Kustoff out here in District 8. So he's going to primary. He's running as a Republican. But he's a, a Marine, or he's a Marine, Naval Academy grad, totally legit dude. Very, very good dude. Um, I would love to bring that to his attention and have him pushing for this. Uh, let me send it to you later tonight or tomorrow. I'll have to find the video where I covered it. I think it was not this past week, but the week before. Um. Uh, I mentioned the bill number and everything, and I read through the bill. It's it's a one-page bill. Yeah. It's not like some omnibus bill where it would have taken you a fucking week to read it. It's a one-page bill. Yeah. Party politics fucking killed it, and it prevented veterans from getting easy access. And so what it did, so what happened was is 
the first two votes it failed the third vote they did a roll call vote and it passed only 44 republicans voted in favor of it not a single representative from tennessee voted in favor of it yeah yeah give me that information because he's compiling information is the veterans that i've talked to hate david Kustoff, and he's a republican like with the redistricting i'm, I'm now in the the democrat district of memphis somehow they, they took half of my county it's ridiculous that was a republican plan as well don't get me started on that but if you give me that information we're going to get more veterans into office and that that's my priority right now is i, I will support Every veteran, regardless of party, who's running for office. So I watched the Bulls last night on uh, the LP or the yeah Bulls thing. Yeah. So that was a good one. They talked for like two hours. So we're we're almost there. <laughs> I'm not trying to beat them, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, if if y'all want to help Nick out, um, go to Nick's. Uh, Swall, Sawall. Hey, what's that? It's a wall. Sawall. It's a wall. Sawall. So, my dad joke. I, I will. I will say it incorrectly forever. That's I apologize. They, they call but, me uh, Sawzall and Basic. I get Sawall, Seawall. I don't know. Well, well. <laughs> like, there's no E in my name. Yeah, I, I get it all the time. It's okay. But, sir, I appreciate you. I will send you that bill over when I find it. Yeah. Uh, it may be tomorrow. I'm, That's fine. I'm fairly drunk. Wow. But uh, uh, I, I, I did a little damage to this bottle of Four Roses. Yeah, we, uh, we, we both did a little damage. But, uh, sir, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you're doing out there on the west side of the state, even though it's the lesser part of the state. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we own it. But, uh, it, any, any last plugs, any last comments, concerns? You just got me all riled up for the last 20 minutes. I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> in Tennessee, we got House Bill. Let me remember this real quick. Yeah, 1968 is full legalization of marijuana. So, unfortunately, it is a Democrat proposed bill, so it's not going to go anywhere. But if, if you are in Tennessee, if you could email your representative that you, you would like to support House Bill 1968, we can get moving in the right direction with legalizing marijuana. If not, I will introduce a similar thing next year when I'm elected. It's a good bill. It's called a Free All Cannabis for Tennessee Act. It's it's all there. Yeah, uh, I shared your promo video that you sent to me. Um, it's fucking fantastic. It is. There's there's guns. There's dogs. It's awesome. It's super yeah. sexy. But uh, Mister Swall. Wall, so wall. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on tonight, sir. Uh, you are 
fucking amazing. I will finish up uh, doing my monthly donation. Uh, But uh, I will see you in a month. And I will actually be live streaming from the convention. It may not be me who's on camera, but I would love to have you on again. Yeah, let's do it. uh, Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'll be there Friday afternoon, and then we're leaving Sunday afternoon-ish. It's like four hours from here, so just got to get back in time for bed. That sounds awesome. It must be nice only driving four hours. I feel like it's closer to you than me. It's in... No, it's not Nashville this year. It's in... uh, Shit, I don't remember. It's like south of Nashville. Five and a half hours. Really? Uh, Are you there? Huh? We'll talk when we get offline. Yeah. (laughs) But all right. (laughs) We'll see you later. We appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, You are not a real libertarian. I've been told that. (laughs) Well, that's the name of the show. And uh, good night. Now, y'all.